Hi, this is John Torrey, co-host of the Culture Classroom, and I just want to thank you for all of our faithful listeners and our followers on Twitter and all the different coaches and people that are reaching out to us for advice or for uh, engagement that are just trying to share their story. And uh, Coach Weaver and I really appreciate what the culture community is doing right now for their programs and to help better the lives of other people. We are in the middle of season three right now. So if you've listened, you've got the privilege to hear from great leaders such as Tim and Brian Kite to Trevor Denton uh, and other people, you know, Randy Schrader and, and Garrison Carter up here in, in the Iowa, Missouri region. And it's only getting bigger. And that's because of you, our listener. So the quality of guests are going to improve throughout season three. And as we look ahead to season four, and we couldn't do that without you. So thanks again for listening and hit us up, interact with us. That's what Coach Weaver and I are here for. And keep listening to the Culture Classroom. GameStrat is the number one choice for football coaches looking for the most reliable and advanced sideline replay system on the market. More coaches are switching to GameStrat because it simply works when it's supposed to work. And unlike other systems, GameStrat is simpler to set up and use, delivers the fastest video transfer times in the industry, gives you the most tagging capabilities, and has the best game day support. Choose GameStrat for your game day needs. Be hearing from Trevor Denton from Jefferson County High School. They are the Patriots, and Trevor is the founder of OBS, which is the original big skill. He's going to talk to us about a little more. But uh, Trevor, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, it's a pleasure to be on, and really appreciate the guy, the, the work you guys are doing, and uh, listening every week. Always eager to to hear the new information and the, the new the new stuff out of the classroom. So. I'm a, I'm a big fan and I learn, learn every single week. Guys, uh, you know, like I said, I appreciate what you do. Oh, man. Appreciate you and, and what you're building at Jefferson County. Um, kind of talk about your background, uh, where you started and, and how you landed at Jefferson County. Well, uh, actually, I'm an alumni. I, I, I played um, football and played some other sports here at Jefferson County back between 2006 and 2010. And then had a few opportunities to play uh, some small college ball. And um, I was actually sitting there. My dream was to always go to the University of Tennessee. And I got, I got a pretty good academic um, scholarship that allowed me to, to afford to go to the University of Tennessee. And so I took that opportunity, and that was kind of it for football. And been around the game since I was like five or six years old and about – um, two years, um, two years into college, uh, I was umpiring some, uh, some, some softball. I think it was a softball tournament here around the community. And a guy that actually coached me in Pee Wee's, um, was over the umpires. And we were actually on a rain delay and I heard the guy talking to a few of the, um, other guys that were umpiring and, uh, overheard him saying that he was going to be taking a head coaching job at a middle school here. Uh, and within Jefferson County and Dandridge called Mari Middle School. And at that time, being two years away from the game, I really, really missed what football meant to me. 
And uh, I just was like, hey, you know, Coach Manus, because at that time he was still always coach. I hadn't worked with him yet. And uh, I was like, hey, Coach Manus, you know, I, I'd love to come be a part of, of what you're about to start there. I really want to, you know, get back into coaching and, and, you know, not only give back to our community, but give back to to, uh, to young kids and be a, a positive influence and be a, um, you know, someone around them that I didn't have, you know, growing up through um, through middle school and through high school football. So he gave me that chance to be his offensive coordinator. And for uh, the next three years, um, I was there. And actually the fourth year, had an opportunity to get my first teaching job there. So I coached that fourth year being a teacher with inside the school. And that was probably my, the, the funnest of those four years, uh, most enjoyable because I was in the school with the kids and getting to know them even more than I had in the, in the previous years. So that was a great time in my life and really learned a lot as a young coach. And always very, very grateful to Greg Maynard for giving me that chance, um, you know, to get my career started. So we were, I mean, we were, I think we were 32 and one um, during that span. And, you know, it's middle school, but I, I, that was, a, a, it, looking back, um, we were doing some culture stuff then, and I really didn't know it was called culture. Um, so long story short, moved into my fifth year, and uh, actually Spencer Raleigh was in going into his second year here at the high school. And I've kind of known who Spencer was for a long time. It's actually Spencer's kind of a, a legend around Jefferson County. He played for the University of Tennessee, was an offensive lineman there, and um, he snapped to guys. Um, that are pretty famous. I snapped to Peyton Manning, which everybody knows Peyton, and um, was the center on the national championship team for T. Martin, who's uh, back at the University of Tennessee uh, coaching wide receivers now. So very, very humble for the opportunity to come be his offensive line coach, and he's been a he's been a great mentor for me as a young coach and a young offensive line coach who who um, who played quarterback and receiver and defensive back, everything but offensive line. So he's really taught me a lot, really learned a lot about the game, coaching offensive line through him. So I'm in my third year now, um, going into the third year, and I'm having more fun, um, I think, than I've ever had coaching in seven years of coaching. So uh, I'm really excited for this season and, and uh, the potential it has for our kids. Well, there's, there's reason to be excited about Patriot football. Uh, one of the reasons is that you aren't just a coach anymore. Now you're the culture coordinator for your program also. And then you've got your offensive line moving in another direction. So, Coach, talk to us about your position group. I know Coach Weaver's big with the ARB. I've got the stone cutters in Denison where we're going to pound the stone and eventually that, that rock is going to split into two. And you don't really know when that's going to happen. That's the beauty of being a stone cutter. But talk about your position group and the identity you created with them. Absolutely. So our guys, our offensive line, and actually um, it's all our linemen because they're two-way guys, but um, they're the original big skills. So we coined the name OBS. And that actually came about last season, about game four. It was actually kind of a, like a fun joke battling back and uh, forth with the, with the linemen and the H backs tight ends um, about who were the big skills on the team. Um, so our guys <laughs> kind of wanted to pride themselves in being skilled and being athletic because we really feel like you know we're athletes as offensive linemen too and we do a lot of we do a lot of things we don't feel like anybody can just hop in there and do too and so 
we just kind of went up them and said, okay, if you guys are the big skills, well, we're the original ones because, you know what, you know, tied in is just a, uh, basically an extension of the offensive line. Maybe he was too skinny to play offensive line, so we were the originals, and you guys can just be the big skills. So um, that's kind of how it came about. Um, yeah, so that's kind of uh, one of those things we just kind of fell into. I didn't even know what was, what was happening when, when it got started. Can you talk a little bit about what it's done for your position group? Uh, I know with our receivers, um, I don't want to say we're we're separated apart, but it's exclusive membership. Like you have to be a wide receiver. Um, two guys have been, I guess, sworn in because they are H backs and they went to seven on seven. They had pretty good success when they were split out uh, in the slot. But what does it mean uh, inside of OBS? Um, are there any rituals, uh, any sayings, anything like, like for us? We say take flight. Uh, we all have call signs and stuff like that. Is there anything that's kind of transpired since OBS has been um, kind of started with your offensive linemen and now maybe other people like want to be offensive linemen, uh, anything like that? Has that has that transpired from last year into maybe through this summer? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of become the cool thing is to be an OBS guy. Um, so I think one of the biggest things it's meant to our linemen is just that brotherhood that it's created. Um, really OBS got its, it really got its first step to building brotherhood and building a connection with the players through Thursday meals. And so what we would do is every Thursday after practice, um, they'd have an opportunity, you know, kind of clean up, get, get, um, get showered off, whatever they needed to do. And it would be a different player's house that we would go to and his family, and then families from the other kids would bring stuff. And so we would just break break bread. And, you know, Thursdays, you know, as coaches, we kind of get wrapped up because it's almost, you know, it's almost game time. So we kind of get wrapped up on what we're about to do on Friday. But we did a really good job with those guys on Thursdays of just of just getting away and not talk. We didn't talk about football at all. We just, we just really talked about life and just kind of cut up and jokes with each other and just kind of, you know, let all that build up, build up and stress that's about to happen on Friday. We just forgot about it for a little while. And so I know for me, you know, that helped me no longer associate, you know, my players to a position. That, that's when I really got to know my players and I got to understand who they were, you know, what else outside of football they really enjoyed and what they loved, you know, things about their family. And I think that is really where OBS got, it got its foundation. And that's where relationships really started to – appear to me as something that were so important, um, not only just in this game, but, you know, that's what life's about, is about positive relationships. You know, so that was one thing. Um, and we've continued to do those Thursday-type meals, but we do them in the off season. You know, we've done a, we did a Super Bowl thing. Um, the Super Bowl is actually where the freshman linemen get initiated into OBS. That's their first opportunity to kind of be in the varsity you know, in that varsity gang of OBS members. You know, we did one at the national championship. We had all the guys down at down at my house and just kind of hung out and watched the game. Um, just things like that, and it's really created a bond between the players that I really feel, you know, a strong bond with my guys because of that. And um, there's a lot of repercussions I felt like that, that's come from that, from guys that may have been on the fence of quitting, but the relationship, have, you know, the relationships have kept them around. Um, and it's helped some of them be, you know, not only better teammates, but better people. And they've, 
they've grown as men through OBS. Well, isn't that what it's like? I mean, that's what it's for, too. I mean, you think about high school athletes, the percentages of those that are going to play pro ball, I think it's 1%. So in high school football, I I know I take back, you know, even from college, my high school memories are my greatest memories, and it's not the games. You you, You know, you remember some games, you remember the wins, the losses, whatever, the rival games, but more importantly, you remember those brotherhoods that you formed uh, whether it's your wide receiver group, your running backs, your offensive line, your defensive line, or even in the secondary. It's those strong bonds that you've built in high school. So I think that's that's encompassing the high school athlete is uh, building and uh, forming those relationships, not only with players, um, but players with coaches and coaches with coaches and coaches with players, just forging that relationship and having that uh, camaraderie that lasts a lifetime. Absolutely. And, you know, it's crazy that, I don't know, that it takes you so long to figure it out or, you know, you just kind of feel like, you kind of feel dumb when you figure it out because you're like, why didn't I see that before? Why didn't I see that, you know, seven years ago when I first started coaching? You know, and it makes sense. I mean, why do kids go to a particular college when they get recruited now? You know, it's not because, it's not, not most of the time it's not because of the rings. It's because of the relationships those coaches at those colleges form with the kids. So, I mean, it's, it's hand in hand the same thing. That's what that's what attracts people, and that's what keeps people around, even when they think they might want to give up or quit on something. Absolutely. You know, it's so true. And when you think about fifteen to eighteen year old kids, they're really just starting to learn who they are as people. And you'll gravitate toward about anybody uh, that that you can that's like minded or that you think is going to to be similar to the person that you're becoming. And so as a coach, I think this is one of the things that I appreciate about you and what you're doing at your school since we I've started to build a relationship with you is it's been neat to watch your program grow and then you're selling that identity to those kids and then they're benefiting from it because they're like, oh, well, Coach Denton, you know, yeah, he is. This is, this is who we are. This is what we do. I am a member of OBS. And then that's where you build on that and then all those rituals fall into line like Coach Weaver was talking about earlier. Absolutely. I, I agree, John. Um, tell me a little bit about your branding. I love what you have with your octagon and the OBS in the middle, and it's kind of got like a little great-looking thing over the top. But then if you look closely, there's eight arrows shooting out from the octagon, and they all spell Patriot. Tell me a little bit about where that came from, what's the intention, and then what, what do you teach using that graphic? Uh, well, I guess that kind of originate, originated um, through our new account. We bought into a new technique, and I have to, I got to give my guys a shout out. I mean, they've really, really done a great job since you know almost the end of November of really training their their minds and their bodies to function different as offensive linemen. So um, we've kind of sold out on um, being. Um, of the drive-catch technique from LaCharles Bentley. And so LaCharles talks a lot about the eight angles of offensive line play. And so I started thinking about that. I was like, well, that's interesting. There, you know, we got eight angles, and there's you know eight letters in Patriots. So it started kind of forming that octagon, like you said, and had arrows around them. And we put, you know, the, we spelled Patriots out in the arrows. And in the middle, it just kind of looked blank. So... Uh, I was thinking, you know, as, as offensive linemen, you got to play together. You can't really have a weak link up there. So that great is actually a chain link. So that's kind of representing, you know, the, the chain link holding this all together. And in the background, the Patriots. 
because at the end of the day, you know, it's about the team, you know, so we have to be the link together for the bigger purpose of the team. So whatever they ask us to do, whatever play is called, you know, we have to be together in accomplishing that one vision for the Patriots. So um, the eight angles thing really come from um, basically the attitude that I'm trying to do with those guys is that, you know, we're going to play on eight angles every single play, and we're going to own each of those angles every single day. So that's kind of where that came from, and uh, I think that probably ended up on a T-shirt for us at some point. Uh, but those guys really lo- like that symbol, and uh, they take pride in those eight angles. It's a good-looking graphic. <laughs> Man, whoever did that, <laughs> whoever no did that for me, he, he's a pretty sharp dude. <laughs> I have no idea who that guy is. Um, yeah. I'll have to try to trace him down and, and give him a plug on Twitter, I guess. Yeah. Um, look, Trevor, <laughs> um, when we last talked, we were we were discussing Al Ritter and that 100-0 principle. And yeah. you shared some light on it uh, of, of what it's been doing inside your program. So now let's fast forward. So we're a month from the last time we talked uh, mm-hmm. discussing Al Ritter. How has that changed and impacted your coaching staff? Uh, and how is the culture coordinator title? Like, what are some things that you have done uh, since no, since November, since um, since June to now with season about to start? With what's going to define your culture? What are some steps y'all have take taken? Uh, what are some moves that y'all are going to make? Uh, stuff like that. So, what does it look? What does the culture look like inside of Jefferson County? Okay. Well, before I you know I get talking about our Ritter there, I'll just talk more about the, the culture and kind of where we started and where we're at at this point. Um, you know, we started this thing, there, was, there were no there were no hardcore written down given to players' expectations. I mean, there were things that, you know, we as coaches expected of them. But, you know, 15- to 18-year-old kids don't know what you expect of them until you tell them what you expect of them. So that was where I started everything, and uh, we call it being above the line. And uh, we expect five things out of our players, and it's 365 days a week, 24 hours a day, you know, um, seven seven days a week. You know, all year long, every single day, every hour of the day, we expect guys to have positive energy and positive attitudes. We want them to have a we-before-me mentality. We want them to be committed. You know, we've talked a little bit that – um, commitment isn't just being there every day. Commitment means you're probably sacrificing something. You have to be sacrificing something for it to be true commitment. So we've, we've done a little bit of Wisdom Wednesday on commitment. Um, our fourth one is relentless effort. And our fifth one is that golden rule uh, everybody kind of lives by is, you know, just do the right thing. And so doing those five th- five things and um, those keep you above the line on a daily basis and you know we expect every single player to live up to those whether they're at football whether they're in their community um, in the classroom wherever they are we expect them to be those five things and so um, that's been a good thing we made those guys remember them um, I actually quizzed them on so uh, they know we weren't we weren't just kind of throwing those out there and just saying hey here they are but we really uh, we we feel very strongly about those five things. And then the next thing we did was we let every single person on the football team vote for two people in their class. And so what that did was ended up creating our eight-member um, players' council. And that's probably been one of my favorite things uh, because now instead of just being a leader, you get to you get to teach eight guys 
how to be, you know, the, you know, the, they're the, they're the poster, they're the poster child leaders for your program. And, um, man, they've, they've done a great job of creating goals for our team. They've been in charge of, uh, their summer groups, you know, you know, leading some, um, presentations with those guys, taking attendance, um, just holding, holding guys accountable. And that's had a trickle down effect as well. You know, I mean, we got, we got players that are embracing our standards right now and, and holding peers accountable. And that's not something that's natural for these kids to do. So I'm very proud of our, our guys that, you know, have embraced the standards and are really, really taking pride in what we're trying to do here. So, um, you know, we've done some leadership values with those guys, those, those council members and really taught them how to lead in a positive way. Um, you know, they're doing so much stuff right now. I, I can't even name it all. I mean, they're cleaning, they're cleaning the locker room. They're cleaning the weight room. Um, they're making sure guys are on what we call Patriot time. They're making sure everybody's here 15 minutes before practice starts. You know, you don't show up when we, when we start, you show up 15 minutes prior and, uh, they call it Patriot time. So they, uh, they've made some really good decisions and tough decisions over the last two weeks. Um, just kind of this energy that I feel like we have building here has been attractive to some guys to want to seek. Um, they wanted to seek to get back into the program that had left and wanted back, and they've done a really good job of making some tough decisions on you know who they wanted back in the program and who they felt like should we should just you know keep moving the other direction. And those have been some tough meetings, but they've really learned that leadership. It isn't the easy stuff. It's not, you know, having the power. Sometimes leadership is getting in there and making the tough decisions that nobody else wants to make and that some people are going to get upset about. So I, I can't yeah, say enough about our leadership council and, and who they are as young men and, and who, they, um, who they're becoming and uh, how, they're, how they're affecting this program and, and for years to come that they don't even see. Yeah, that, that's really important. I mean, holding people accountable is hard for us as adults. And so how do you get high school kids to hold each other accountable? And again, it's just like a process like everything else. And I, I think back to our own culture journey here in Denison, we're in our seventh year, we're about to start our seventh year where we've really focused a lot of time and energy and effort into our culture. And a few years ago, the culture piece was, was in place and we were starting to bring people along and move the program in the direction we want, but it was hard to challenge people without like, you want to challenge their actions, but you don't want to challenge their value and what they add to the team. And so to get high school kids to really understand that that's that's tough. That takes a long time. Yeah. And I think the fact fact that they're, yeah, the, the fact that, you know they're they're making hard decisions at an early age and understanding and unpopular. Yeah, unpopular. And here's what Coach Tory and I talked about: like leadership, it's a cool title, but it comes with a lot of uh, responsibility. Um, it it's ugly, it's murky, it's it's hard. And you know, a lot of people want the title of I'm a leader, but they don't want to do what's necessary that comes with that title. And for you to teach those kids at this age that, you know, here here's some hard, hard-hitting questions I'm going to ask you about. Maybe somebody wanting to come back on the team or maybe calling out somebody that missed uh, missed a rep. You're supposed to do four reps and they did three. You know, that's, that's what kids need to see in today's world. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and, absolutely. I think, I think one of the toughest things about those situations were that they had to take the personal aspect out of it, you know, because, you know, some of these yeah. guys that are trying to get back on the team are, are some of their best friends. And so they have to take that, they have to leave that feeling, those feelings at the door and come at this from a leadership, what's best for our football program mentality. And that's not easy for a 15 to 18 year old kid. That's not hard. I mean, that's hard for adults to do. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's fun. Uh, it's, it's great to hear you talk about this and these challenges because a lot of teams have a unity council or have, have some group of players, whether maybe it's your seniors that, that make certain decisions. But they're trivial. It's kind of like what uniform are we wearing on Friday night or uh, where are we going on our senior retreat or what, what's our post-game meal going to be. But that's not really leadership. The leadership is, no, it means more coming from you as a player. So if we can get you to walk the line and then hold other people accountable, then, you know, that and that's hard for those kids to understand and make that separation from just being a member of the team to – no, I'm actually running the team, or, I, or I'm part of this process to get our team moving in a, a new direction. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just think about our kids here at MRA. You know, we, we asked those kids to come in and, and do some things and make some hard decisions. And a lot of them, they, they think it's – it starts out as a popularity contest. And we've talked about this on a previous podcast. It's a popularity contest. I, I'm going to vote for and keep my buddy on there because that's my buddy and I want to hang out with him on the weekend. Well, that's not the best decision probably for the team. So those are those things, that those hard decisions. I mean, and Tori, you even said it. You know, adults have this have a hard time doing it. They do. It, it's tough. I'm, i got some of my best friends here in my school district that are administrators or they've taken administrative positions, and it's like, oh, you're my boss. But, like, out outside of school, it's like, okay, now we're buddies. And that's hard, and, and you don't want to abuse that relationship. And it's even worse when you're in a high school where there's so much built on popularity and your friends, and, and all that means way more to a 15- to 18-year-old male mm-hmm. than it does when you get to be 40 and old like us. <laughs> but – uh yeah, yeah, no, it, it's worthy work, and it's that is a shift that's going to take your program in a new direction, but it's hard work. It is, and I think anybody doing this, I would just tell them, you know, I had that we sat down and we come up with some questions that we really had to we had to utilize because if you just take those guys in there and vote, I mean, it's they're going to have trouble taking their feelings out of it. But we come up with with a, a seven question system that we really felt like answered questions about guys either history or willingness, um, you know, basically to fulfill expectations of our programs. And that's basically, you know, after the first time we did it, they started getting the idea and they started understanding what I was wanting them to do in that meeting. And so, you know, every, t- every time one of those meetings have come up, I've been a little bit less and less involved. It just kind of just, just handed it over to them, you know, uh, one step at a time. Yeah, it's great. And I think how you do that then as a leader is to uh, do what Al Ritter talks about in his book. And and Coach Denton, uh, you recommended it because you were reading it for a long time before I was. Uh, I'm just going to finish my 100th book of 2019 uh, this afternoon. I'm actually going to get that done and get my notes made on all those. And 
after talking with you earlier this spring, I actually picked it up. It's a quick read and it's great. And the, the advice that he gives is what will help you make those hard decisions when it comes to your program or your athletes. So talk a little bit about the 100-0 principle, please. Absolutely. You know, and for such a short book, you know, I think I have just as much notes on, on that one as, as some of the longer books I've written. I mean, there's so much valuable information, you know, in that um, in that book by Al Ritter. But that 100-0 principle, um, that's kind of our motto. That's kind of, um, you know, our theme for the year, you know, and you can hear guys around practice saying, it. you know, give us your 100. And, you know, you might hear that and think that's just about our effort, our effort. But it's more than just about our effort when we say give your 100. And that's really what he means by it in the book is it's a relationship principle. So I guess I'll start by you know conventionally saying that typically, you know, if you were to ask what type of effort would you want in a relationship, I, I would say the majority of people, especially if you haven't read this book, you're going to go, well, you want a 100-100 relationship. You know, you want to get – I'll give you everything and you give me everything in return. And so basically what, what Al does is he breaks down how expecting 100 could be very, very dangerous in a relationship. Um, when you start expecting something from someone else, you know, my, my perception of what, you know, Coach Torrey and Coach Weaver can give me, you know, I think you're supposed to give me 100, but, you know, your 100 may not be exactly what I think it looks like. You might be dealing with, you might be, be dealing with, with problems at home. You may be having a rough day. You know, you could be sick. You could have a family member in the hospital. Like, there's so many things and scenarios that I could name out that you might not necessarily know someone's going through that can affect their effort towards you. And it's not that they aren't trying to be good to you. It's just that they might not necessarily have what you think is 100 on that particular day. And so we don't want to create unrealistic expectations for our relationships and what people are supposed to give to us. And so, you know, Al says we should expect nothing in return. Give my best every single day in that relationship. Take full responsibility for the relationship and expect nothing in return. Hmm. And, uh, man, that's been really powerful for me, not only just with this football culture, but just as – just as trying to be a good man and, you know, to be a good Christian man is that, um, man, when you look at it, at the end of the day, none of us probably deserve God's love the way that he gives it to us. Um, every single one of us have been at our lowest, at our dirtiest point, and he has loved us the same then as he does when we're at our highest and at our best. And so I feel like that's, that's the way we're supposed to be to other people is that we're supposed to give them our 100 every single day, and I'm going to love you, I'm going to trust you and respect you with everything that I have every single day. And I'm going to bring that to the table, and you can guarantee that when I walk in the door, you're going to get that from me. That's so powerful for high school kids to get. When you think about 15, 18-year-olds, they're selfishly motivated. With social media, it's all about me. I mean, how many selfies do you think a kid has on his phone? <laughs> I don't even want to know, man. You know, and I, and I just go back and I think about kids when you were talking about that. If every one of them you got to commit to, I'm going to give 100. And, and, and the cool thing is you can kind of tie this in giving your 100 because they all like that 100 emoji that's out there. Yeah. Um, you know, when they give their 100, then 
they can expect that from their brother without, hey, I'm not gonna I'm gonna give you my best. Or to coin Brian Kite, I'm gonna give you the best version of myself. And whatever that looks like, I'm gonna give it to you. And this is what yeah. it's gonna be inside of Patriot football or inside of Monarch football. Or whatever football it is, whatever classroom it is, whether you're taking a class for a teacher, um, you know, Trevor, you teach algebra too. I, you know, I, I'd love uh, for my kids for government. You know, they're going to come in. They're going to give me their best effort in class every day. Now, now no matter what the grade's going to be, I, I don't know what their grade's going to be, but their effort and uh, how they're going to listen and pay attention in class, and they're going to be, I, for lack of a better word, they're going to be coachable in class. Um, and be good listeners, but they're going to give me 100 in class. So this can, this is totally applicable to everything you do in life. Just making sure that you you give yourself 100 to everybody that you see. You give your 100 to everybody that you see and expect nothing in return. And I think that's a powerful message as we enter high school football, uh, especially, you know, there, there's not a lot of people that can score touchdowns on Friday night. Like your guys probably will never score a touchdown, but they're going to give their 100 for the running back blocking and keeping the quarterback safe from uh, in pass protection. So that's it's so huge to teach selflessness on that principle when our world with those kids and, and even adults, we can talk about that as well, um, are selfishly motivated. Yeah, yeah it, it, I mean, it is a challenge for sure. People are going to let you down too. And so it's not so much – it's taking an old idea – and then reframing it in your mind. Because the ideal relationship, right, we've all been taught is 50-50. But if I'm only giving half of my best version of myself, uh, it's not really going to get us anywhere. And uh, you can't, I, I think we've all been let down enough at this point in our lives where by various people that you can't really ever count on 50% back. So if you give 100 and you expect zero, the mind shift is you're never going to be disappointed. Right. I better get 100 from my wife. I know that. 100, 100. <laughs> I know that much. Yeah, and it's a crazy concept, but, you know, Al breaks it down in saying that you expecting zero, you know, you might only get 30% from that, that person, you know, one day. But if you keep giving them your best, the best version of you, it, that eventually is going to creep up there, and you're eventually going to get the 100, 100 that you wanted anyway with no letdown, yeah. and it's not going to affect your you know, you're part of the relationship because you're not expecting anything. So it's definitely something I feel like, you know, reading that book that it's hard to do against everything our society tells us we should be, you know, they, you know, in relationships, I mean, we're around high school kids and middle school kids, you know, what do they do as soon as someone, um, kind of takes a dig at them or takes a stab at them? Probably blocks them on Twitter. Reaction? <laughs> yeah. Revenge. Yeah. They block them on Twitter or Instagram. Or something. They block them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, like instead of, you know, don't take that bait, and that's one of the four things he talks about is don't take the bait. You know, nothing that person does or says affects me. You know, I'm not going to bite on your negativity. I'm just going to be my best 100 no matter what you do to me. No, what you say, no matter what you say to me, I'm going to be the same person. Well, and, that, and we were talking to Kurt Hines about this recently, but that's relentlessness. When, when no one can get at you or uh, can stop you from being the best version of yourself and you don't let them. And I don't know about you guys, but I've never regretted any time I've given my best self. Any time I've given 100, I've never regretted it. Never. I'm with you. Same here. 
All right. Well, Coach Denton, we really appreciate your time in the classroom. Love what you're doing and building in Tennessee. Uh, and then what you're doing with your OBS, your position group, and being the culture coordinator uh, at your high school. Uh, it's phenomenal. One question Coach Weaver and I ask our guests is, what's your caring trademark? What's something that separates you from the other leaders that you are around? Um, man, I just say at the, at the end of the day, like I, I'm, I'm a guy that I just want to get to know kids. And I, you know, I know the sad thing is, is that's maybe not everybody's reality. Um, but I really, you know, my purpose and behind what I do is that at the end of the day is that I'm going to pursue purpose and not pursue, pursue success. You know, I'm going to evaluate everything, you know, when we're said and done and it's all over. You know, the games are over and I'm no longer coaching and I'm no longer teaching is that I'm going to evaluate my success, not off wins, not off losses, not off test scores, but off of purpose. And that purpose is what kind of relationships did I create and what kind of relationship values did I pass on to young men and young young ladies. And so I think that's my can trademark is that I just want to get to know kids and I want to be a positive influence for them. And then I know you guys talk about a, a carrying trademark that kind of you can see. Mm-hmm. So if I if I have to go a carrying trademark on you on that you can see, probably going to be uh, my my football socks that I got on or my coaching pants every night on Fridays. Uh, they got the yard line markers all the way up to the knee. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's all the dad gift right there. Only on Fridays. Oh, I <laughs> love it. That's a total total dad stocking stuffer right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, I just, I just got engaged. Look, you don't say about those socks for me. If I don't got them on, I am in trouble. <laughs> hey, yeah, congratulations <laughs> on uh, engagement. Um, that's pretty, pretty. Uh, that's your 100 commitment there. Absolutely, I'm, I'm very blessed. She, she is a great woman, and she, she's made me a better man, and um, she's a great great um support to have especially through this next season we're about to go through and i know you guys know this firsthand but you have to have a strong woman to uh to allow us to do what we do and so i'm very very thankful for her there ain't no doubt man behind every good coach you find a better wife um absolutely so oh man we got thick skin but i'm not sure anyone is gonna have thicker skin than my wife yeah yeah uh trevor Trevor, I got a quick question, and we'll round it out for today. Uh, for okay. young coaches, uh, you know, you, you played at Jefferson County. Uh, I just want you to give some advice to younger coaches or even older coaches who are veterans in the game and are stagnant that to step outside their comfort zone, what does that look like? How does that happen on motivating their players and instilling a culture that surrounds them and gives identity to your program again? What's some – some words of encouragement or some maybe some steps that three steps that you can give advice to coaches about and I'd say the first thing is uh, probably that players council I mean take take that step and and give your players some influence in the locker room um, I think that's one of the biggest things I think everything we've done has been great I think that's been a key component to it um, I think our kids can see from that council is that it's not you know it's not coaches just um, controlling every single thing we do. So that's uh, that's the first thing is you got to you got to get your counsel. You got to have leaders and people got to know who they are. Um, the second thing is is just be intentional with what you do. Um, you know I don't know if 
what we're doing is exactly the right thing and exactly how you're supposed to do it in every way. Know for sure that we don't have it figured out and we don't have the book on culture and exactly how everybody should do it. But I think at the end of the day, if you do things that are intentional and you just come from the heart out of love and desire for young men uh, to be successful, I think that's the second thing you have to do to really jumpstart your culture. Um, and then the third thing is I think you got to spend time with the kids. Um, you got to get off the whiteboards, you got to get off huddle, and you got to go sit down and get to know these kids. Um, at the end of the day, um, they don't really care as much about football as they do about getting to know you. And you'd be surprised how much they want to know about you and how much they care about what's going on in your life. And so you want to kind of give them, again, you're giving them that same 100 of interest back. Um, so I think those are three things that, you know, if you just start there, whether you got, you know, leadership stuff going on like Motivation Monday or Wisdom Wednesday, whether you're doing that stuff or not, your culture is going to start taking a step in the right direction. And it's not going to happen overnight. And it's baby steps. And some days it feels like you're going a little bit backwards. Um, but at the end of the day, when you step back and you go, hey, you know, we're much farther along than we were a year ago or six months ago. That's fantastic. Trevor, again, thank you for, for joining Coach Tori and I in the classroom today. Um, we're, we're really excited about season three and having you on for season three as it's going to be one that's um, it's going to set us apart for, for things to come. And, uh, man, just thank you so much uh, for what you're doing at Jefferson County, how you're impacting kids and leaving an influence uh, around coaches uh, in your community uh, of just building relationships uh, with coaches and young men. Thank you. I appreciate it. I want to ch shout out to you guys too, man. You guys are doing great stuff and just really appreciate the influence you're having on our, our coaching community around the world, um, around your, your schools too. So really thank you for, for your time and, and what you guys do and taking time away from your families to – to uh, have the influence that you do. So very humbled and very honored to be on the show, man. Um, just uh, very, very humbled to be in the position that I am and that God's given me the opportunity to do what I do. And um, I love what I do. And like I said, having more fun than I've ever had right now. Hi, my name is Austin James Smith. This past season, I was the quarterback coach for June Jones and Hal Mummy, lighting up the passing yards through my innovative training tool, called VAR Systems. It is a virtual reality training component that I've created that essentially allows you to go back into practice in 4K video, but actually see the perspective from your quarterback's vision. It is no longer watching film. It is training and gaining another practice. Imagine being able to take all 22 of your players, pause, rewind, fast forward, slow the game down for your quarterback so you can teach him his fundamental schemes and technique to execute your plays. Well, that's what my software does. To find out more, visit our website at var.systems or visit us on Twitter at var underscore systems.